Welcome to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in their lives. And it's a place where your questions about faith and religion can be answered. And now, here's your host, Deacon Al. Good evening and welcome to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio. I am Deacon Al Lundy. I'm with you every Saturday and Sunday evening here on Catholic Spirit Radio for just a brief 30 minutes as we look at the good news of Jesus Christ our Lord through the readings of this weekend's Mass. It's a pleasure to be with you and I invite you to be part of Good News by sending in your questions about Catholicism, Christianity, faith in general, to our mailbag here at goodnews at catholicspiritradio.org, and we'll be happy to answer any questions you send in on air. We may or may not have time today to get to a couple of them, but if we don't, we'll be sure and get to some uh, next week. Uh, This weekend, uh, as we start the program, I want to talk to you about religious retreats. Uh, All of you who've been on a retreat before, raise your hand. Okay, a few of you. Uh, I go on a retreat every year. In fact, as an ordained deacon, we're required to do at least one retreat each year. And while you are listening to this program, I am just returning or have recently returned from my weekend retreat. Uh, I went to uh, the uh, new Sacre Coeur Retreat Center uh, owned by the Peoria Diocese out in uh, uh, Henry near Henry, Illinois. Magnolia, I believe, is the actual town. It's located in a beautiful name for a town. And uh, spent the last uh, three days there. Retreats are really important in our lives. And I think we tend to think that it's only for clergy or those in the religious life, and it's really not. Um, There's a wonderful retreat house in St. Louis that I've gone to several times called White House, which is normally filled with laity, with just a few of us uh, clergy attending. And we live in such a noisy, busy world that it's really hard sometimes to hear the voice of God in our lives. And maybe you don't have the ability to go to a quiet spot in your home. Maybe you don't have a, a, a den or a study where you can close the door, turn off your phone, turn off the TV, and and not hear the commotion of everyday life, read scripture, or just meditate on God's calling in your life and how you're responding to that call. And that's an important thing to do. And the more often you do it, the better. Often people in the religious life, monks and, and nuns, brothers, this is part of their everyday activity, is an hour, maybe several hours of just quiet meditation on God's call. Uh, This is why they're always so happy. It's a very peaceful, uh, rewarding life uh, for those who have that that call to ministry. But for most of us, I know in my life prior to to joining the clergy, I I did not do retreats very often, uh, very rarely. I I did, uh, I think the last one, I did, uh, prior to my call to the diaconate, probably was maybe a year after I got married. So it was probably 30 years that I went without doing a retreat and often thought about it, but just never put the time aside. And then when I did my next retreat after this 30-year hiatus, um, boy, I could just kick myself for waiting so long. It was so refreshing 
so relaxing, so empowering. Uh, you come back from these with such a uh, reinvigorated spiritual life, uh, such a great feeling of closeness with God, the same kind of feeling that I, I get after uh, I, I attend the, the sacrament of penance, but certainly much deeper and one that lasts much longer. So I always look forward uh, to these. And so I'm sure that the one I am I just got back from, um, I'm sure I had a great time, and I'll tell you about it next week, but I'm sure it was wonderful. But what I want to encourage you to do is look into a retreat. Uh, it, some of them take place during the week. Some take place on the weekends. They're usually at least two nights long. Uh, give yourself 72 hours of, of focusing on your relationship with God. Uh, and that, that doesn't matter whether you're a Catholic or one of our Protestant brothers and sisters. They offer re- retreats as well. Uh, you can easily find them through uh, your parish, through your diocesan office. Uh, talk to your pastor. Talk to your talk to your deacons. Uh, we'd be happy to direct you towards various retreats. There are different topics. Some are given by Jesuits, some by Benedictines, uh, some by Charismatics. There's all different uh, themes that you can go to, what, whatever seems to uh, touch your interest or, or touch your heart. I just want to express the, the importance of setting time aside for quiet time between you and God, something more than just saying grace before a meal or saying uh, saying evening prayers, but where you take days and an, and at least a night to really just send spend time in study and prayer and meditation over your relationship with God. You will not be sorry. You will learn more about yourself and more about your God than you learn in a year of, of attending uh, church services or mass. It's, uh, it's a unique experience, and that's why we have retreats. If they didn't fill a gap in our religious life, there would be no need to have them. Uh, but, there, but there is, and they've been around since apostolic times, uh, Jesus would go on private retreats during his ministry. He would go off and, and pray. Uh, he wasn't with his apostles every single minute of every single day. He too needed time to just focus on his relationship with the, the first person of God. So uh, he invites us to do the same thing. So please look into a retreat in, in your area. That being said, uh, here on Good News we spend most of our time, most of our 30 minutes, looking at the uh, the readings from the weekend's Mass. This is the 27th Sunday of Ordinary Time. We are looking at very early October. It's Sunday, October the 8th, uh, Mass that, that we're looking at the readings to. Uh, we have, again, a prophet. Uh, as, we, as we edge ourselves closer to Advent, we'll be hearing from prophets through most of the first readings. Our second reading is, of course, going to be Paul to the Philippians, and then we have uh, again our Gospel from Matthew because we're we're nearing the end of cycle A of our Gospels, which is a Matthew Gospel, and very shortly, uh, end of November, we'll be we'll be going into the B cycle, and so we'll be seeing less of Matthew. The uh, 
something weird about our, our calendar this year that I, I didn't even pay attention to till today when I was kind of looking forward to uh, on my calendar as to when I'm serving and where I'm serving and whether I'm homeless that weekend or not. Uh, but I discovered that the last day of Advent is also Christmas Eve this year. It's a very short Advent. So Sunday, December 24th, up until four o'clock is the last Sunday of Advent. And after four o'clock, it is now Christmas Eve, and it's the vigil mass for Christmas. So the morning masses on Sunday will be for the Sunday of Advent. So if you're hoping to go to a Sunday mass and get both your, your Sunday obligation and your Christmas Day obligation, that's not going to happen this year. You would have to go to, if you wanted to, to meet your obligation for Sunday, Advent, and for Sunday, the Easter, uh, the Christmas vigil. Did I say Easter earlier? I meant no, Christmas vigil. You would have to go to the morning Mass on Sunday and then the evening Mass on Sunday to take care of both obligations. Otherwise, you can go Sunday for Advent and then go Monday morning for your Christmas obligation, because that's a holy day of obligation. So uh, check your calendars where you can't, you can't do a one for on this. You got to do two masses, either one Sunday morning, one Sunday evening, or one on Sunday, one on Monday. So look at the family calendar, decide which is going to work best for you and, and go from there. And to make it even crazier, if you do Saturday, that's a Saturday Mass. <laughs> it doesn't count as a Sunday Mass. So I suppose you could go to a Saturday evening vigil, but that's not going to be for Christmas Eve. That would be the vigil Mass for the Sunday Advent Mass. So you could do Saturday night, Sunday night, or you could do Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, or you could do Sunday morning, Monday morning. But it's still, it's two masses in three days, no matter how you look at it, guys. There's no getting around it because we have our Sunday obligation, we have our Holy Day obligation, and you can't team them up. So uh, I already know what I'm doing because I'm, I'm the homilist Sunday morning, I'm the deacon of the mass Sunday night, and I'm the deacon of the mass on Monday morning. So it's for me, it's a threefer, and I, that's fine. I, I like spending time uh, in, in, in Mass with my congregation, with my, my fellow Catholics, as, as well as uh, with my Christ. So hope to see you on, on, on Christmas. Don't be a creaster. Those are the folks who come Christmas and Easter. Uh, let this be a new start for you. Make that part of your New Year's resolution that this year, starting with Sunday uh, obligation, I'm going to be going to Mass every Sunday. That, that should be something we all do. That's one of the minimum responsibilities. I mean, it's a minimum responsibility as a Catholic is to attend Mass on Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation. You know, if, if, you had, if, it, if this was your occupation, which is more imp- important, your occupation or your salvation, right? So if, you're, if your occupation says you have to be here every day, Monday through Friday, we don't think anything of that. But for our obligation to our salvation— we say, 
you have to come once a week. We go, oh, I don't know about that. Oh, once a week, that seems pretty tough. That's oh, pretty stiff. You know, I got, I got this going on. I got that going on. I'm not sure I can squeeze you in. You know, love, love you dearly, Jesus, but I don't know if I can get you an hour a week. I don't know. That's asking quite a bit. Uh, this is a minimum requirement for, for your Catholic faith is Sunday, every week, Holy Day of Obligation, whenever they arrive. And uh, sometimes they overlap. Sometimes they bump up against each other. Check your calendars. Look forward to seeing you at Mass. I am Deacon Al, and I'm here with the readings from this Sunday, October 8th, the 27th Sunday in Ordinary Time. We begin with the prophet Isaiah, and then we go to a letter from Paul to the Philippians, and we finish up with the Gospel of Matthew. And in Isaiah, it's kind of, if you, if you go and read it, uh, it's written kind of oddly for Isaiah, and that is explained in the first couple of sentences. You have to remember that the main prayer of the Jewish people were the Psalms. Everything else, there were instructions, there were letters uh, preaching from the prophets, and then there were the prayers. And the prayers of, of the Torah were the Psalms. And psalm means song, and they were sung. They had melody uh, to these prayers and in all the psalms. And so when they prayed, they also sang. And that's why we say that when you, when you sing in church, you pray twice. And that's, that's where that, that heritage comes from. And so in, in, the, in the start of this reading, Isaiah says, Let me now sing of my friend, my friend's song concerning his vineyard. And, and I believe as you read through this and you see the, the phrasing of, of this particular uh, chapter of Isaiah, he is actually singing because the, the structure of the sentences are a little different than Isaiah normally uses. And so I think this was actually uh, done as, as, as he prophesied this. I think he was actually singing to the people because in song, they're, they're, they're thinking of prayer. They're comparing that as, as, as a prayer. So, the reading from the prophet Isaiah, Let me now sing of my friend, my friend's song concerning his vineyard. My friend had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He spaded it, cleared it of stones, and planted the choicest vines. Within it he built a watchtower and hewed out a, a wine press. Then he looked for the crop of grapes, but what it yielded was wild grapes. Now inhabitants of Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I had not done? Why, when I looked for the crop of grapes, did I bring forth wild grapes? Now I will let you know what I mean to do with my vineyard. Take away its hedge, give it to grazing, break through its wall, let it be trampled. Yes, I will make it a ruin, and it shall, be pr it shall not be pruned or hoed, but overgrown with thorns and briars. I will command the clouds not to send rain upon it. The vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the people of Judah are his cherished plant. He looked for judgment, but see bloodshed, for justice, but hark the outcry. 
the word of the Lord. So in this song, Isaiah is telling the story about a man who decided to start a vineyard, and he did everything right. He prepared it. He built everything that the crop would need in order to be turned into cherished wine. He planted good seed, but what grew was useless wild grapevines. Even though everything else he prepared was perfect and ready, the crop would not yield what it needed to yield in order to be a useful crop. And so what he decided to do was not plant another crop, but just take what he had built and destroy it and just let it go wild as it had already chosen to do. He didn't make it wild. He's he's just now saying, if that's what it, it's going to do, if it's just going to be wild vines, let it go wild. My work here has been done. And at the end of this song, he's reminding the, the people who are listening to it that God's talking about you guys. You were his precious wine, his precious grapevines that he planted. The world was, was the vineyard. He created everything for you, and it was perfect, and you blew it. <laughs> yeah, basically, that's what he's saying. Everything I did was right, except the crop wouldn't, wouldn't cooperate. And the crop decided to just be wild and not be fruitful. And so God's saying, if that's what you want to be, then that's what you'll be. And that's what we've seen happen in our, in our world. Think, things fell apart because we tore them apart. We chose not to be the vineyard that, that God intended us to be, that he prepared the world for us to be, that he prepared us to be. And instead, we chose a different path. And God's saying, if that's the path you've chosen— then that's the path you're on. It's going to be up for those vines to somehow, through through time and and through uh, fertilization, come back to God, come back to being a useful a useful plant. God's waiting for us to be useful again. Uh, he's saying that. You know, he he looked for good judgment, and all he sees is bloodshed. Look at our world today. Look at the the violence. Look at the wars. Uh, even without violence, or war. Just look at how mean we are to each other. Uh, look at our politics. I mean, has it gets? It seems to get uglier every year. Uh, God looked to us for to be people of mercy and people of forgiveness in His own likeness. God is love, and he, he built us in his likeness, which means we're supposed to be creatures of love and creatures of forgiveness and creatures of peace and, and creatures of, of to be servants to others. And as a society as a whole, we're none of those things. We have little pockets of, of kindness. We have pockets of, of charity. We have pockets of love. And look what we're doing to them. We, we malign them. We create labels to shut them up. Uh, 
I'm I'm so tired now of hearing people talk about well, what is this um, uh, Chris, Christian nationalism that's going on? No, that's that's just a social political label that they give people to to shut them up. Well, you're just a you're just a radical. You're just a Christian radical. Well, what is a Christian radical? Someone who's radically in love with Christ? Oh my goodness! Oh, how horrible! What are, we, what are we talking about as radical Christians? That you should forgive your enemies? How terrible. And you start talking like that. Oh, no, no. No, no, no. You know, you're just a radical. You can't be listened to. You can't be, you, you shouldn't be given uh, an avenue to speak on. You shouldn't have a platform. I'll be quite honest. I worry about not only this Catholic Spirit Radio, but I worry about Catholic programs and Catholic stations throughout our country. In other countries, Catholic media has been shut down because it's radical. It doesn't talk about what the government wants them to talk about. And so through the government forces, not not just the government itself, but government-supported political agendas. We'll do that. I don't want to point fingers at anybody specific. Uh, I mean, we're going to be like a parable of Christ where we keep this kind of open and you think about it. Who am I talking about? Who do you who do you think this is referring to? But the government has certain a left-leaning government and this is true in in other countries control the media. And the media has a tendency to shut down anybody who won't give their particular message be it an individual or an organization, if you won't toe the line, as it were, uh, they want to shut you down. And I, I, I have great fear for uh, Christian media that we're going to see the same kind of thing uh, happen here to a great extent. We see it starting to happen on not necessarily Christian platforms, but on conservative platforms, politically conservative platforms, that are being attacked um, by government-supported platforms to shut them down. And I think that's just a small step away from attacking religious platforms. So be very careful and, and know that we are the small pockets. We're, we're what's left. These small Christian prophets are, are what's left of the, the good vines that, that God created and planted here. And it's it's going to be a struggle not to be choked out, and we see it we see it right now in numbers of attendance at mass. I I see it in the number of people who uh, don't get married through the sacrament, but either don't get married at all at all or just get married civilly. I see it in the drop off in baptisms. I see it in the drop of of number of. Men who uh, hear the call to uh, the ministry of clergy, to the priesthood, even to the diaconate. Uh, it's we're being choked out by the weeds, and that's we're going to have to struggle against that uh, in in order to grow again and 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 bring back Christ's vineyard. All right, <clears throat> let's look at our reading is. Paul to the Philippians, brothers and sisters, have no anxiety at all, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. 
Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, then the God of peace will be with you. And I think this speaks to what we were talking about uh, after the first reading. This is going to take a lot of prayer. And the the prayer isn't necessarily that uh, we as Christian people overcome the weeds. The prayer is, God, give me the strength and the wisdom to persevere in my faith. And if we all did that, we could at least hold on to the root of a good plant. And that's all it really takes. Uh, If you read through Scripture, there was never the promise that the majority of people were going to heaven. It was the people who are in relationship with Christ have the hope of salvation. A lot of people have given up, have, have either never embraced that hope or have walked away from that hope. And in doing so, quite quite simply, have, have chosen to walk away from this salvation. God has never abandoned anyone. But so many people have made the choice to abandon God. And, and Paul's saying, don't worry about that. Keep what is good and what is pure and what is worthwhile and what is excellent. Hold on to that. Don't let that go. Don't be dragged into the abundance of the world, uh, to the egotism of the world, uh, to the over, well, I don't want to say, be, be overabundant in virtue, rather overabundant in, in vice. Don't be prodigal. Uh, when we talk about the prodigal son, we talk about uh, prodigal means that you are uh, vastly wasteful. So this son took everything that he could have had from his father and lost it. And it wasn't until he came back to his father that he regained his his wealth and his his position in life. Well, don't be wasteful with your salvation. Don't throw it away. Stay close to the Father. And that's, that's what Paul's saying. Take what's good in this world and cling to it and, and don't be drawn away by the world. In our gospel from Matthew, Jesus said to the chief priests and the elders of the people, and this is a really powerful message, hear another parable. He's been talking to them in a string of parables throughout this section of, of Matthew, and none of it's good. Every time he says to a parable, listen to this story, what he's about to tell them is, I'm going to give you some bad news, and you're at the core of it. The people who I'm saying are, the, are wrong in this parable, I'm talking about you guys. So that's where we are in this one as well. Jesus said to the chief priests and the elders of the people, here another parable. There was a landowner owner who planted a vineyard. We're back to the vineyard. Put a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, built a tower. Then he leased it to tenants and went on a journey. When the vintage came, time drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to obtain his produce. But the tenants seized the, the servants, and one they beat, another they killed, and a third they stoned. 
Again, he sent other servants, more numerous than the first, but they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, thinking, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and acquire his inheritance. They seized him, threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What will the owner of the vineyard do to these tenants when he comes? And they answered him, He will put those wretched men to a wretched death and lease his vineyard to other tenants, who will give him the produce at the proper times. And so Jesus said to them, Did you never read in the scriptures, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone by the Lord who has done this, and it is wonderful in our eyes? Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that will produce its fruit. The landowner of Kosh is God. The vineyard, again, all of creation that he gave to tenants, us. The time of Jesus, he's talking about the, the chosen people, the tribes of Israel. But now he's talking to all of us because he gave that he, when he took it away from Israel and, and he took this, he took Christ's teachings and gave them to the Gentiles, to us, we've done no different than the tribes of Israel did. We've done nothing different. We've taken the prophets and we slayed them. We chased them away. And when Jesus came, the son of the landowner, the heir, we think, well, if we get rid of him, We'll inherit everything. If we take Jesus out of our lives, we get what's left. Well, what's going to happen when the landowner comes? And Jesus is quite clear what's going to happen. And even the ones who chased off the prophets, who killed the prophets, and who are about to kill the heir in this story, the, the, the Pharisees themselves, they say, oh, well, God's going to kill them. The landowner, God, is going to kill these wretched men. Put them to death. Give the vineyards to others. Yeah. It's exactly what's going to happen. Look at our lives today. Who are we in this story? And what can we expect as a recompense from God? There's something to think about this weekend. There's something to pray about this weekend. We're coming very close to Advent as we prepare for the arrival of Christ once again, not only in our lives as as that small child in the Nativity, but also coming again as the Savior of the world. How are you going to welcome him? Something to think about. May Almighty God bless you, protect you from all evil, and bring you to everlasting life. We'll see you next weekend. God bless. You've been listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in your life. Submit your questions to Deacon Al at goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. That's goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. Deacon will answer your questions about faith and religion. Thank you for listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio.